1: What is up, everybody? Thank you so much for being patient today. Uh, We had some things uh, in the afternoon, so we couldn't go live right after practice as usual. But I also got to thinking, Ryan, sometimes it's not so bad, I think, to to let the day marinate a little bit. We could think about some of the things we want to get into, uh, plan a little bit more. Uh, Of course, I didn't have a lot of time to do that. We had uh, travel uh, baseball tryouts tonight, so from about 4.30 on, I was locked in. I uh, got all my baseball gear on right now. I could not have time to change because I told you before we got on the show here that all of my podcast stuff, the light, the setup, uh, all the cords, all the mic, they were all in the car because we did a live show the other day.
0: I know. It's always something, man. You had baseball. I had my niece's sixth birthday party. So uh, both pretty busy this afternoon, but glad we can get, it, get to it tonight and, and interact with the Bills Mafia. Talk a little bit about what you saw at practice today.
1: Yeah, the Bills had their, I guess, what would be considered the 17th camp practice. We're still considering it training camp, even though it technically ended last week. But the practices are still open to the media the re- this whole week. So we're still able to watch from the start to the end. Today went about a little over 90 minutes and a lot to get into. Uh, this is the Shout Bills football podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. Uh, tops loves local. Tops is proud to partner with over 200 local growers to supply Tops with their freshest homegrown fruits and vegetables produce pick this morning can be on your table tonight. So grateful to tops uh, the official sponsor of the shout podcast. If you're watching on YouTube right now, we appreciate you hit that like button subscribe as well. Every time we go live, you will get a notification and you'll be like uh, our good buddy, Matthew Harmon, who's already been super active in the, in the chat room here tonight, uh, getting, getting the people going, uh, Ryan, we always have an active uh, chat room here uh I, tell people a little bit about that especially if this is your first time to the show you don't you, you it's not only watching the show you can also participate as well
0: yeah we love the interaction uh, throughout the show we'll be looking through there if there's a question that comes up that we can address at that time we we try to get to it uh, we know we can't get to every question because sometimes we'll be talking about someone on offense and there'll be a really good question on defense but by the time we get about get there it's hard to find it or we forget about it. It happens, but we, we do try to interact, mix it up with you guys. We really, really appreciate your support.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's going to change a little bit. I think that the YouTube comment section is going to be really excited about a new um, new part of the show. Uh, we have somebody new coming on that's going to uh, be joining us kind of in a quasi host role. Um, we're going to see how it um, progresses. Uh, her name's Sarah Holland, and I think she'll her first show will be next week. Um, she'll uh, she's gonna be helping us out on a lot of the stuff on the site, Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com. She'll be involved in the show as well. So fun stuff. Let's get to some football here, and we're gonna start with something that every time we've done one of these shows, Ryan, if you look over in the comment section, people are, have been asking for two and a half weeks, eighteen days. Where's Stefan Diggs and when is he coming back? And, you know, I think that w- I wrote about it in my op- observations today. We still don't really know what happened when the injury happened. You know what I mean? It was the last time we saw him was at the red, white, and blue scrimmage, uh, practice open practice at the stadium. And he's been out ever since. He hasn't practiced there's practice. There's been days that, um, he hasn't even been seen out on the practice field. Well, today, that all changed in a big way. Stephon Diggs was out on the field, and I wrote about it. It started in one-on-ones. Man, I wish that we can, like, live stream the, the one-on-one sessions just for the the off chance when we get to see Tredavious White versus Stefan Diggs because it's always – when they line up to, with each other, Ryan, It's it's like the whole, like, you know, audience – whatever it is, whether it's the media, team personnel, team uh, staff members, people float out from maybe like where they're doing, um, you know, uh, food or beverage or whatever. Then the team itself, there's just a heightened energy when you see those two guys line up together. And if it's usually at the beginning of one-on-ones, you know you're probably going to get three matchups between Tradavius White and Stefan Diggs. We got that today. And, man, what is it special. Tredavious White, last year, most of the times I mentioned this and talked about it on the show or on Twitter, you know, Stefan Diggs was winning. Today it was Tradavius White's day. I mean, he won all three reps. He got pass breakups on all three. But the, the one play, it's like Stefan Diggs, even when he doesn't make the play, he sometime, somehow finds a way to wow you. The third rep, he had already had two plays where Tradavius White got the best of him. It was a really quick, slick move at the line of scrimmage. He beat him off the jump. Tradavius White kind of lost his footing for a second. The, the stutter step move was so good. So Tradavius White was in big-time trouble. Wide open Stephon Diggs was going to get a quick ball from Josh Allen in the back of the end zone. White had to make up ground, which he did. So much show that, that Stephon Diggs had to kind of – relocate and, and and in terms of his body to kind of make a catch in it and it forced him into a very much a tougher catch. He makes it somehow gets both feet in. It's unbelievable. But even after all that losing 90% of the rep to that point, Tredavious White sticks his arm in. And at the last second, as they're falling to the ground, rips it out. And it's just like, man, what a battle. And it's just elite versus elite. And And those are the kinds of things that that's the luxury of having the quality players and the level of talent that this bills team has in the roster.
0: Yeah. Whenever you can have a cornerstone player go head to head against another cornerstone player, uh, iron sh- sharpens iron as the saying goes. So when it comes time for the regular season, both of these guys are going to be better for it. Uh, you know, obviously in terms of the battles itself, Bills fans have to be excited that Stefan Diggs just in general was back at it, back to a hundred percent on the field. Uh, and, and then obviously with Trey White winning those reps, that's good news for uh, the defense and that number one cornerback for this team. So not their last battle by any stretch of the imagination between now and week one. But just, you know, I, I think that the Bills fans can let out that sigh of relief now that they know that uh, Stefan Diggs is back out there and participating in full.
1: Yeah, he was back out there. And this is one of the, you know, it feels like it's been just a handful of practices getting a chance to see him and Emmanuel Sanders working at the same time in tandem. We saw a lot of that today. And I I, I Emmanuel Sanders made a couple unbelievable catches. He made one where I I should have given them equal billing, which I probably should have. I think I just gave it a footnote at the end of my first observation on this. But it was um, against the rookie, Rashad Wild Goose, who had himself Hmm. a rough afternoon. The poor guy. I got to say, he looked good in Chicago. Um, I'll I'll be interested to see. He's probably going to get a lot of run against the Packers, how he does there. But today, it was a challenge. It was really hot. The heat index was crazy. And I think some of the guys were affected by it. But Emmanuel Sanders, like the, the 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 foot quickness, the ability to immediately confuse Wild Goose in the route. He's wide open. Wild Goose kind of recovered a little bit, credit to him in that spot. But then the the catch Sanders makes, he comes flying down, smashes the turf, head bounces off of the turf, and you're like, oh my gosh, how did he how did he hang on to that? So you have your top two guys in essence. I mean, you probably throw Cole Beasley maybe in the mix there, is like him and Diggs being the top two guys. He was an all-pro last year. But, you know, in terms of your boundary, guys, I I think it's safe to say Sanders and Diggs are those guys both performing at a high level now as we look ahead, you know, a couple weeks away from the opener. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh No, I was going to
0: say, you know, in terms of that, it's it's good to see because Stefan Diggs has missed some time, obviously, with the knee injury. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders has missed some time throughout camp. So getting them both, you know, going right now, a few weeks before week one, I think that is important to work on that chemistry to work on getting them both on the field at the same time. And you know, you mentioned Rashad wild goose. Well, short term, you feel bad for the kid here. Here's a rookie coming in, going against a, uh, super bowl winning wide receiver and Emmanuel Sanders, sometimes maybe getting matched up one-on-one with Stefan Diggs, the reception and yards leader from one year ago. So just like the elite of the elite and in those spots, generally a rookie is going to look, uh, ha- have their rough moments, which he obviously has. So, he might not be able to make this 53 man roster this year, but those battles against Sanders and against Diggs, they're going to make him better in the long term. Uh, so, you know, it is tough because, like you said, he looked good in Chicago. But when you're going up against the best of the best, some of the best receivers in, in the game, you're going to have some really rough uh, reps as well.
1: Mm. You know, it's interesting right now for the Bills at the receiver position as well because you have Cole Beasley and Gabriel Davis who are out uh, in their five-day window before they can re-enter as the close contacts of the COVID situation. You have Isaiah McKenzie in a sling right now. He was at practice today, but who knows how long that's going to be. I mean, he's in a sling. We've seen that with uh, Christian Wade. Um, same kind of deal. He's been out for weeks. And so you, get, you kind of figure the Bills are probably going to go into their season now, Ryan, without Isaiah McKenzie, who – of course, the kick return role is important, but in a lot of sense, he's important on the on the offense as well. And so you you, you don't have him in the mix. You you have um, an injury to um, I'm blanking here, uh, Marquez Stevenson, who's kind of the backup plan to hmm. in the kick returning situation. So they go out, they bring in a guy, Steven Sims, who you know. You, you put up a story on him. You could kind of elaborate on this, but you go back and look at his numbers from 19 and 20. This is a guy that's got, you know, valuable snaps in the NFL. He's produced at a pretty nice clip. He's got some kick returnability. I think on one hand, it shows you what they think of Brandon Pavel uh, bringing him in. And on the other hand, there might be some real juice behind Steven Sims. I was impressed with him as a route runner now at the same time, Ryan. I was super impressed with Lance Lenore as a route runner throughout training camp. And the Bills just cut him to get down to 80. So what What do we know, I guess, right?
0: Well, you know what, though? When it comes to Lenora, he had very few reps as a return man in his career. So I, I think maybe at the end of the day, they wanted to let him go to see if he could latch on somewhere else. Uh, you weren't the only person that come away impressed with Lenora. I, I was very impressed with him in those practices that I was up there for. He had some moments. He had a moment in that last preseason game where he made a really nice catch along the sidelines. I I just think that the Bills are looking for a specific type of wide receiver right now in light of Isaiah McKenzie's injury, in light of Marquez Stevenson being a little bit banged up. And and Steven Sims, uh, you know, he fits the bill. And as you said, I put an article up on the site. He's kind of like Isaiah McKenzie light. And what I mean by that is he can do a lot of the same things that McKenzie can. He can be a slot receiver. He can handle... Uh, getting some gadget plays thrown his way. And he is a return man, both as a kick returner and a punt returner. He kind of reminds me of where Isaiah McKenzie was when the Bills first signed him. Now, maybe a little bit further ahead of his, as a receiver, because his stats as an undrafted free agent in, in year one, and year two are a little more impressive, obviously, than what we saw from uh, Isaiah McKenzie. But Isaiah McKenzie's come so far as a route runner, being so precise, being so good. Learning from Cole Beasley, learning from this wide receiver room that I think he's obviously ahead of what Steven Sims can do right now, but this is not a bad backup option. And yeah, there's only a short window of time for Sims to make a good first impression, but I think they've seen enough from Brandon Powell to say, okay, this guy's not going to be on our main roster I don't know if we want to even keep him on our practice squad. Let's bring this Steven Sims in, give him the return responsibilities against the Packers, maybe drop some gadget plays for him and then let him line up in, in the slot as well as a wide receiver, see what he can do. And if he puts enough solid tape together this week at practice and also in that preseason game. Yeah. I don't necessarily see there being a path for him on this main roster injury, depend, you know, depending on the severity of these injuries, uh, but there's a there's a clear path for him to make this practice squad and be one of the, those priority
1: signings for the practice squad. Mm-hmm. How many flying bisons did you put down last night? By the way, did you get did you get five? five I think it was six? five. Yeah, I think and it was five. Were they all those big boys that you had at the end there?
0: No, the last one was the big boy. the The other four were just the regular size. Yeah. So Lions. little
1: little story time. You know, a, a good uh, friend of the show, uh, Scott. He, he was listening to the podcast. We were doing Patrick Moran's podcast last night. We did it live from the Al House. And we, we, of course, finished the episode. I published it to all the audio platforms. And Scott, when he goes home from work, he always dials up our, our post-practice um, podcast. And he's listening to it on the drive. Uh, and he's like, oh, my gosh, they're at Al House. I'm driving by Al House. So he DM'd me, and he's like, let me buy you a beer. I'm, I'm literally right right outside. Um, and so I said, he said, what do you want? I said, a Corona. I know people give me grief for that, but I, I'm a Corona guy. What can I say? And then he's like, what's Ryan drinking? And I said, a flying bison. And so all of a sudden I look to the side and there's a big boy, like, uh, you know, that just, it, it looked like, what, how many ounces did you did that? That was probably like a 30 ounce I mean, it was a big, yeah. right?
0: Yeah. At least. Yeah. It and, was
1: a big size mug. And I, I look over and I'm like, man, Ryan's already put down a few tonight and you know, they're about to hit the road. You know that go pick up the kids hour and a half from Olean. I look over, not like ten minutes later, that bad boy is gone. So <laughs> respect, man. Like you, you put him down last night. You sh- you showed up uh, and, and you showed out.
0: You know, I'm from Salamanca, New York. Yeah, they they start him young there in in terms of there's not much to do there. So uh, I built up a tolerance at a younger age not, not condoning that necessarily, but yeah, I've had some experience in my day, Matt. So uh, good thing. I didn't, you know, I wasn't driving home. So I was, I, I had, uh, I didn't have that responsibility. So yeah, I was able to enjoy those flying Bisons. That's awesome.
1: All right, let's get back to um, the bills here. And we will, if you're on YouTube, thank you. Almost at 200. Now smash that like button, hit the uh, subscribe button as well. If, the, if you're new to the program, Always give you a, a notification. We got some fun shows coming up in the next couple of weeks as we lead up to the opener. We're brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. Tops Fresh Burger Bar has over 30 varieties of beef, turkey, chicken, plant-based, gourmet blend burgers ready to grill. Tops Fresh Burger Bar has you smiling all summer long. Make sure you get over to Tops uh, and check that out. I always see comments in here on the burger bar, so a lot of a lot of hype around the burger bar. I, I might even tweet some pictures out before the end of summer just to get everybody on board. Let's get to Dawson Knox here because I tweeted – when I tweeted out the article, I put Knox's name and I had a trending up emoji, then a hmm. trending down emoji, and then a trending back up emoji. So he had a couple catches at the start of practice, looked good, and then just like a Dawson Knox, a very typical um, drop. Where you know it's just like one of those bang bang plays, but it's one of those you know drive killers. I was talking to it about this at, at, with a couple of people in the media on the sideline there as we're watching. It's like you know, you go back and think about Dawson Knox, all the good moments, right? There's always a couple of those drive killers, even going back to his rookie year. I remember some of those as the bills were driving, and it's like Josh Allen needed any type of help to kind of keep the momentum going on the drive, try to find something. There was a few times when I feel like, man. Dawson Knox dropping a pass. It really kills you. It was one of those plays. Now, in true Dawson Knox fashion, he comes back not 10 minutes later and makes probably the second best catch of practice. It was unbelievable. He went flying into the air. I mean, he definitely is probably dunking at 10 feet if there was a basketball hoop right there. He had DeMar Hamlin, the rookie on him, mismatch, makes the grab, comes down with it somehow. It's unbelievable. What a catch. Amy's asking what even is a burger bar? Amy, get to tops. They got a whole section that is all dedicated to your burger grilling experience. Come on, come on, Amy. No, I'm just kidding around. But Dawson Knox, Ryan, your thoughts?
0: Well, I like the little uh, pictures that you use there because he is like a roller coaster experience, going up, down, and you know, and up again. We've seen it. We, we've seen the spectacular catches where he he turns his body in, in an awkward manner and pulls down a catch. We've seen him separate and make great catches and, and get those yards after the catch only to get hit and to fumble the ball. We've seen him get open in the back of the ends zone, only to have the ball hit him in the face, hit him in the hands, and, and to drop it. You don't know what Dawson Knox you're going to get on a play-by-play basis, and, and that can be very frustrating. Uh, but you were talking about it on a recent episode, Matt, when you look at some of these premier tight ends in the league and you look at their drop rates, some of them are pretty high, uh, and it, but it goes along with that workload. And if Dawson Knox was getting a heavier workload and he was getting more receptions per game to kind of offset those drops, I don't think fans would pay as much attention to the issues he only gets a few opportunities per game because this is even though this is a pass happy offense they they cycle through those wide receivers more than anything else uh, occasionally to the backs as well so you know it's a matter of him learning though that he has to take advantage of his limited opportunities because if he does not and if he continues with this inconsistent play there's a conversation to be had about Jacob Hollister simply as a tight end receiving option uh, I'm not sure he, Hollister brings as much to the table as a blocker, so to speak. Maybe he does. Maybe I think there's a little bit of room for him to grow there. But as a receiver, we're starting to see a little bit from Hollister in the preseason games uh, and in terms of what he can do. So it, it it's really important this year for Knox to step up and become more consistent.
1: Yeah, and I, the biggest fear I have for Knox is that you get into a situation where You have so many of those moments that add up over years that you lose the confidence of the coaching staff to put you in a position to make plays. And if you have like right now, he's in a prime position to still be the guy. I mean, they love Jacob Hollister. I really believe that. I think that there's potential for him in this offense, but beyond that. And Hollister has a history of, you know, struggling to stay healthy. He's already dealt with a back injury in training camp so far. So this is really the chance for, I feel like Dawson Knox to, you know, self in a situation to be the long-term answer at tight end, but they will reach a point because of the talent on this roster where they'll turn the page. They'll have to turn the page. They'll draft somebody. They'll sign somebody, you know, somebody in the comments, I think it was Mary here saying still holding out hope for Zach Ertz. You never know if the Philadelphia Eagles lose their first four or five games, the price the price could fall, drop dramatically for a Zach Ertz. And then you know, you're really talking about what you can do there. So yeah, I I definitely don't think that this is anything to be alarmed with quite yet. We haven't even played a regular season game yet. But it's just you just see it too much. And for a guy, we talk so much over the offseason, like Jay Kumaro has had one, maybe two drops in all of training camp. And he's been featured on days with Stefan Diggs not out there. And I know he's a receiver. He's not a tight end. So there's a little bit of a difference there. But, you know, he's a guy that's making the most of his opportunity. And to get as many targets as he's had and to, to not have the drops, it just kind of proves to you that, that there's that kind of talent out there.
0: Oh, I agree completely. Matt, comment in the question here from Scott, tight end room three or four. I'm assuming when he says four, he he's talking about Reggie Gilliam as well, who's that hybrid fullback tight end. I think there's a scenario where all – four players get on this roster with with tommy sweeney being the third tight end in that scenario hollister the second knox first and then gilliam is that uh fullback we both had that working out that way now mind you uh tommy just sweeney a little,
1: just a little note somebody asked him the question once he dropped two balls he dropped two balls today yeah like i mean he had the one bad drop but there was another one that he probably should have kept caught he's probably had like I would say probably somewhere around five or six notable drops, and one of them was the worst drop I've ever seen in a in a football setting, and I cover high school for two years. So, listen, I'm a pretty big Dawson Knox uh, supporter, apologist, whatever you want. We've, we've banged that drum all offseason. Mm. I'm just saying there's going to be a point that comes along. I don't think that they're there yet, but when you're doing that consistently in the games, it becomes a problem. Sorry to interrupt you.
0: No, it's okay, and, and you're right. And just real quick before I get back to what I was talking about, I was told by someone I trust the Bills were really high on Pat Freermuth in, in this year's draft in round two. Now, mind you, I, I don't know if they thought that Carlos Boogie Basham would be there in round two either, so I don't know what would have happened if both had been on the board. But I think the Bills were already tinkering with the idea of bringing in some legitimate competition at that position. Uh, looking again at the chat here, Ken Sweeney block? Yeah, I think Sweeney is a very good blocker. I think that when they drafted him late in that draft a few years ago, they hyped him up for his dra- uh, for his blocking ability first and foremost, and then saying he he's a decent pass catcher too. The the Bills have some depth there, but but going back to the original question, I could see all four of those players being on this roster. Sweeney though, it depends on the severity of the injury. They, he could be one of those players that they put on the initial fifty three. They move him to one of those injury lists for a few weeks, and that frees up a roster spot for a veteran that maybe they, they have that handshake deal with, but yeah, I I do envision a scenario where all four of those players could be on that uh, 53 man roster.
1: Let's move along to the offensive line. And I want to pair it. Like I want to get into the injuries. There's a laundry list of them and we could kind of pair it because two of the guys that I think are, you know, Bill's fans are thinking about when you, when you look at this injury report are Tommy Doyle and Spencer Brown and what potentially we could see this weekend combined with, how this, these injuries are going to impact the 53. Because I think we have some real new questions or quandaries, if you will, when trying to figure out how they're going to work this thing to their advantage. Like, you know, you got – I mean, I'm talking about the offensive line. You got Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson who didn't practice today for a second straight day. Mm-hmm. Levi Wallace had a pretty noticeable wrap on his wrist. Um, or no, that was Taron Johnson. Excuse me, Taron Johnson had a pretty sizable wrap on his wrist. There's there's an injury. You got that's literally two of your starting three cornerbacks in Levi, Taron, or Dane. I mean, they said that or Leslie Frazier said that the battle's not over yet, so we'll see. But he's out too. He had to have an MRI. We don't know the update on that. They were all out there today. None of them practiced. We didn't see Taron Johnson until later in the practice, so that must be something that's pretty fresh, pretty new. You know, Cam Lewis all of a sudden seems like I, I don't see how they don't can't keep him on the on the roster, depending on when these guys can get back and healthy. I mean, we're less – Ryan, we're six days away from 53-man cutdown. This changes things dramatically. I guess let's start there, and then we'll move our way to the offensive line because Tommy Doyle did practice today. Spencer Brown's still out. We'll we'll talk about that in a minute.
0: Yeah, starting with cornerback position, this is a major concern. You know, Levi Wallace is dealing with a hip injury. You mentioned Taron Johnson and the rep, Dane Jackson getting the MRI – They are hurting for outside depth. I know Taron Johnson's the the nickel. He's the slot guy. Uh, But Saran Neal behind him is truly better on the inside. So if you're talking about having Trey White on one side, who's on that opposite side from him if those two guys are banged up right now? It's a major concern. You mentioned Cam Lewis could be in play. I'm sure they have Josh Norman on speed dial. I don't know what kind of shape Norman's in right now if he wants right. to come back and play. He sounds like he wanted to in some interviews that I've watched over the uh, offseason, but you, you just never know there. I really think a trade's in play too, Matt, and I don't have any specific names in mind, but you, you look around the league and there's one or two trades happening each, each day. This morning there was a trade with the Patriots sending a running back over to the Rams, Sony Michelle. Tonight there was a linebacker moving from Carolina over to the Raiders. So you're starting to see teams wheel and deal, whether it's player for player trades, player for draft pick trades. The Bills might look around and say, "Boy, you know, uh, we saw we went up against this cornerback last year. Maybe we saw maybe in this year in the preseason." Or they had a high they had a draft grade on one of these players that might be a risk of getting cut elsewhere. And they might wheel and deal with the team linebacker, for instance. The Bills are pretty deep there. Uh in other positions as well. So I think it trades even on the table at this point because of, of the injury concerns on this team.
1: Yeah. And you know, moving things back to the offensive line here, I, I think going in. Tommy Doyle, uh, Spencer Brown. They were on my 53-man roster projection. I don't know where things stand with Spencer Brown. I think it's good that he's kind of been off to the side when they did the walkthrough the day after the game. He was out there already. He had a sleeve on the leg, but he, he seemed to be walking already. A little bit of a limp. Doyle, Doyle practiced today. So um, got the trusty uh, wa- water heater back uh, in, in the mix here uh, that we're back in the home studio. Um, Doyle practiced today. So I would anticipate that he gets some run in this season finale. And honestly, if Spencer Brown is a thing is something that extends past the start of the regular season. Now you're looking at potentially Tommy Doyle as your swing tackle, a role that I'm not convinced he's ready for. And Oh, by the way, Bobby Hart with one of the worst days of practice, which is saying something, Ryan Talbot, one of the worst days of practice today, absolutely blown up at the start of uh, 11 on 11. First, against Jerry Hughes, where he just had no answers. I think it's a good sign that Jerry Hughes looks like he's ready to go, but man, Bobby Hart offers no, nothing to slow this guy down at all. And then on the next play, it's, it's AJ Epinesa that just absolutely schools him and is in the backfield before, you know, I think it's a sack in a regular season game. I think it was Mitchell Trubisky back there. I I got to check my notes, but all in all, the depth issues that they have at offensive line, I think are rough. And you think back to Ty and secchi last year, he was really um, a, a, a nice benefit, a guy to have around that no matter what, I know he wasn't always super healthy. He played hurt a lot. Uh, he's a little bit older, but having that guy that you could throw out there and, and you're confident in him, I think we could be in a situation if Brown's out. Ryan Bates is your swing tackle again, because even, Brian Dable said it today. He can play all five positions. He's smart enough. He's 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 uh, you know uh, he he goes with the flow. You could kind of tell him one thing, he'll go out and do it. That could be the scenario that we're looking at, Ryan.
0: I think that's a very fair scenario to be looking at. And you almost feel for Bates because he probably wants to settle in at one spot and eventually right. become a starter in this league. But his versatility is what's going to keep him employed in this league probably for a decade plus going forward because of how important he is. If Spencer Brown's injury lingers into the regular season, it's important that they have a, a solid backup option for swing tackle because Bobby Hart's not it. Tommy Doyle, as much as I you know, I, I think he's gonna get on this 53-man roster being a draft pick, I don't think he's it either. He's had a lot of he's had some ups, but he's had more downs as a rookie, which is to be expected. You're talking about a mid-round offensive tackle, uh, a lot of athletic traits, but he, he didn't necessarily play for a powerhouse either in, in college or go up against the best competition. Uh, so I, I think they need that option. So maybe it is Ryan Bates. Maybe it is Ty and who, again, he, he's had some mixed reviews during his stint in Dallas. And and he's someone that I've read maybe on the outs with that roster um, I wouldn't be shocked if the Bills thought, you know, I don't want I don't want to trust this guy to be my swing tackle long term, but for the for 2 or 3 weeks while t- uh while Spencer Brown heals up and gets back to 100%, it's not the worst option in the world.
1: Right, and you could probably figure out a way. I mean, if Doyle is really bothered by that knee and you bring him onto the roster, you sign Ty Secchi and then you put Doyle on maybe even a short-term IR, kind of something like what they did with Isaiah Hodgins last year you could figure it out from there. You know what I mean? Once you get past that point, but it's just a lot of things now, even at receiver, are they going to keep seven receivers? You know, a lot of people kind of scoffed at that when I put that in my 53 man. And I'll be honest, I wasn't really thinking about it from an injury perspective at the time. Cole Beasley wasn't out yet. McKenzie's injury didn't happen yet, but now I think it's almost even more likely that they keep seven because of, I mean, Ryan, there might be a scenario where they keep eight just to get McKenzie over to the 53 and then put him on some type of IR or uh, some type of injury designation, you know, if he's going to be out a few weeks. We still don't know what's going on with Marquez Stevenson. What do they want to do with him? Do they maybe figure out that, you know, he was working at practice doing some conditioning stuff off to the side yet, but we still don't know the severity of that or how long he's going to be out. There's just so many unknowns right now that this 53, like – it's it could be anything in, in a week here.
0: Yeah, the, the roster gymnastics are really going to be interesting to watch because, like you said, you know what, both of our fifty-three uh, man roster projections. We said two quarterbacks, we had five cornerbacks, we had five to six linebackers. They're going to have to get really creative with how they keep certain positions because of, like you said, wide receiver, all the injuries, cornerback, all the injuries. All of a sudden, the depth issues at offensive tackle. They're going to have to get pretty clever, and there might be instead of two players this year that they have the handshake deal with and say, "Listen, we're going to cut you today, but then we're going to re-sign you the next day once we're done." That might be four guys. That might be f- that might be Matt Breida. Uh, he's one of those players that has four plus vested years in the NFL. So some of that we think is going to be on the the fifth through, and all is said and done, he might be one of those options. There's a lot of players, uh, Greg Thompson actually put out a list of them recently on Twitter, so that's a, a good person to check out there who's, in terms of some players, the Bills could do those handshake deals with Taiwan Jones, uh, someone that they did that with last year. So it's going to get really interesting, Matt. And I, I've seen a few questions here in the comments about kick return, and that kind of goes along with the uh, wide receiver conversation that we're talking about now if there's something serious with Isaiah McKenzie and he's out for a few weeks and Mark Stevenson is not ready to go. That actually could be the door opening for Steven Sims to actually make this roster, despite only being here for about two weeks when all is said and done a week before cut down day, but being here for only a few weeks before week one, because they don't necessarily have another option. I don't think they've been wowed with Brandon Powell in that role. Um, they could I'm sure they could get clever with someone on their roster and just kind of say, play it safe. Don't do anything stupid uh, and, and go with Micah Hyde is old reliable on punt returns. But is that really what you want to do too? So again, these injuries that have popped up over the last three, four days, it's going to make the final roster and the decision-making and the thought process that goes into it that much more interesting.
1: I'll throw it out there. I hate the Micah Hyde idea. Like, from a bill's perspective, I know they've done it mm-hmm. in the past, but I always think that it's just, it's playing with fire. He's one of the most important players on your defense. Why chance it? I see Matthew Harmon, uh, mentioning, uh, uh, Kareth white, uh, who the Bills signed, uh, was Devin Singletary's backup at, uh, FAU. Um, okay. Okay. Tough day for, for Mr. White. Uh, what, and what's crazy about it, Ryan is, It's his first practice. So I think you want to give the guy a little bit benefit of the doubt. He's adjusting. He's probably his head spinning, probably from trying to learn this playbook. Who all the veterans on this roster always say, they make sure to say, this is a complicated playbook that, you know, takes time to get to know, to get thrown out there into the fire on your first day, knowing you're going to probably play a lot this weekend to save Singletary, Breed, and Moss. I want to give the guy a cut him some slack. So I don't want to go overboard. If you're watching on YouTube, by the way, hit that like button. What are you waiting for? Uh, how many do we got, Matthew Harmon? He usually keeps us posted in the uh, in the comment section uh, with how many people are watching and how many likes. I want to get it up to one of these days where we get you know three hundred people watching, which I think we're right around that number mm-hmm. right now. We are. And we're at three hundred likes, so let's go. Uh, I'd, I'd appreciate that. Um, but White struggled today, Ryan. It, he had one play where you saw the speed. I mean, he was a blur through the line. You could. He's he's immediately he's considerably faster than Matthew Breida. Like, I mean, this dude hmm. has absolutely, absolute wheels. So you saw he gets through the line of scrimmage and just burns it to the outside. And you're like, man, okay, I'm writing this down. Like this is going to be an observation for sure. Bam. Trey White comes in, pops the ball out. And you're like, on your first carry on your first carry. But I'm going to, like I said, I'm not going to go too hard on the guy. But then we fast forward through practice a little bit. He gets a couple more looks ball from, I think it was Jake from right. And Jake from had a nice practice today. I'll, I'll, I'll mention him in a minute, right on his hands. He drops it. It would have been a sure touchdown. They were doing some red zone work. Come on, come on, Kara. you got to, you got to take advantage of those opportunities. You're trying to make an impact. You want to try to be maybe the, you know, the practice squad guy, especially if Antonio Williams at this injury kind of lingers for a little bit uh, higher. Yeah. It went up to two octaves. If you would have seen the fumble at the end of that run, you, you'd understand that Rick. Um, <clears throat> So, yeah, I mean, just not a great day for White. But yeah, like I mentioned, you know, I'm going to go easy on the game. I'm going to try to.
0: You know, we'll chalk it up to first-day jitters, hopefully. But, yeah, the, the speed was never in question for this guy. Uh, it, but if he can't catch those easy balls that should go for touchdowns and if he can't protect the ball, he's not going to be on the field. The, the, the Bills, we've seen. That's the one position where Sean McDermott doesn't seem to have much of a tolerance for mistakes. Go back to uh, the game against the 49ers last year when, when Moss fumbled out of the end zone. That was in the first quarter. I don't think we saw him again until the third quarter. We've seen Devin Singletary, if he's made a mistake, get pulled off the field for several series or quarters. The The Bills do not tolerate turnovers or costly mistakes. So, you know, Kareth, in, in terms of making the 53-man roster, we're both in, in the party. If that's not happening, but this is an opportunity. This is a showcase for him to show what he could do possibly as a practice squad player, someone they could develop and bring along. And despite it just being his first day, he's got to make more of these
1: opportunities. Let's get to um, – I wanted to bring up somebody else in these observations. I'm going to go to the story. As all of you should as well, go to Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com, either one. I can see people have already been uh, diving into this. It was a huge day for the defense, Ryan. And we, get, we can get into that now. I mean, this has been you, – you could see the swagger oozing a little bit out of some of the coaches, some of the players. As you got to the end of practice and you you have a situation where there's four takeaways in, an, in a practice environment, you're, you're feeling pretty good about things. And three interceptions, Mitchell Trubisky was picked off once, two interceptions by Davis Webb. This was the worst practice I've seen from Davis Webb in his entire time. In Buffalo, I just, he was off today. I thought, I thought overall the offense at times was sloppy. You know, Mitch, Mitch Trubisky had a a, a botched snap. It was a bad snap from Mitch Morris, but he, he he, he couldn't get a handle on it and it was ended up being a fumble. Uh He threw an interception. Let's go through these one by one. We'll start with Mitch's. Um it was a short ball, and it was tipped by Matt Milano. I don't even think it was necessarily a horrible throw. It was just in a bad place in a heavy traffic area. Davis had one of these two. Micah Hyde, as usual in the area, uh, picks it off, and it goes the other way. Uh, Webb's were um, the one was really bad, and I think it's a good sign that you know the, you talk about Kareth White's tough day. Tim Harris, his first practice after signing the hmm. cornerback, he comes or might have been his second practice. He comes out and picks off Davis Webb. Um, it was uh, a weird play. It was seven on seven. You throw an interception in seven on seven, Ryan. It's not a good look. I mean, there's not a lot of pressure. And somebody did get in. I don't know if it was a linebacker. I can't remember now. But Webb had to get a decision to make. He could kind of check it down or push the ball down the field in what I think everybody can refer to as the Buffalo special at this point. Reggie Gilliam, the fullback, streaking down the middle of the field. <laughs> and Davis Webb decides to just stop on a dime and try to heave it down. And it's a duck. And immediately when it goes in the air, you're like, this is getting picked off. Tim Harris grabs it, uh, probably could have run it back for a touchdown uh, if he was able to bring a couple tackles in a real game situation. But just just not a good decision by Webb. And the second one, high traffic area. um, It ended up being tipped by Elijah Griffin, big play by the undrafted rookie, uh, intercepted by Matt Milano. Webb was also sacked uh, by AJ Klein on a linebacker blitz. It was just it was just one of those days where it, nothing was going right for Davis Webb.
0: And, and you almost wonder if that has something to do with the confidence in the players around you too with all these in, uh, injuries going on with the players that are out right now with the, the uh, 5 days out because of being around a covid positive uh, trainer. You know you know I wonder if that plays into it a little bit too almost like the the mental side of the game because Webb throughout his time in Buffalo has been a pretty steady hand. So to have the worst practice that you've seen over this time is really saying something, um, you know, real quick on Gilliam, much more athletic than Pat DeMarco, but I still think the bill should probably scrap any of those plays where you have a fullback streaking down the field, probably never a good idea to go that route in a, a live game action. But like I said, he's a little bit more athletic. Um, you, you know, I'm seeing in the comments here, Webb's the odd man out, and or I thought it was from. They're both probably the odd man out. The Bills only need two quarterbacks on this roster with, with Allen and Trubisky. Uh, now, obviously, I think both players have a great shot of being on the practice squad. Webb will have a shot there as long as he wants to be there because he's like an extra coach for this team. Uh, and I think Fromm's had a nice steady improvement. I, he, he's had up and down days, but today was a, a positive day, like you mentioned. Uh, I think that there's a role for him on that practice squad as well. But I don't see either being in the discussion for the 50th man roster. Do you, Matt?
1: You know, no. Um, If they have any concerns about COVID being an issue and whatever the vaccination status is of any of those guys, I mean, we really don't know uh, when it comes to Josh, all four of them. You know, what, wh- where they stand. I mean, you could kind of guess because you can see guys in videos in the facility. Some people are wearing masks, some aren't. So you can kind of put two and two together. If a situation occurs like we've had this week, you can kind of figure that out a little bit as well. Um, who's, who's vaccinated and who's not. Not judging it, just saying that it, it could impact things. And if you lose Josh Allen um, as a close contact and you got to go into a game or whatever, it doesn't even have to be that Ryan. It could be he he could be vaccinated and he could get COVID. We that's happening too. It sucks. Is there anything worse right now in the world than COVID nineteen? It it literally is ruining everything and it's it's terrible. Um, but you're right. Like, I don't think that they should keep more than two. I think they have two really amazing options. You have an MVP candidate and a guy that showed he can really let it fly and really you know, keep things moving when he's in the game. But if one of them go out, you're going to need another guy you can rely on. I think they can get webbed with their practice squad. I think that's the, probably the, the answer. Um, can you get both of them there? I'm not sure. Do they want to get both in there? Probably. I don't know, man. It's, I'm looking, I, I've had, I've, I really got to go back in the lab here now, spend the next two days really rethinking everything I thought I knew three days ago when I put up 53-man roster projection because everything has drastically changed since then.
0: You know, and it's funny, before I even published my first one, uh, after the first preseason game, I had my initial one on a on a notebook, and I went back through and I looked at it now, and I think I could l- probably make about seven or eight changes, and I know I made quite a few between the notebook and the first um, draft as well. So things change on the fly, whether it's injuries, whether it's – the thinking that the Bills have to go into the season with due to um, the scenario that happened recently with with Beasley and Gabriel Davis. Not that they're going to miss any time in the regular season, but these are all things you have to think about in terms of your 53-man roster, but also your practice squad. I think they're going to want to have a few wide receivers on that roster in case there's some kind of breakout or injuries keep happening. Cornerbacks, offensive line, those are going to be high priorities. Defensive tackle, probably too, whereas... Whereas I don't think you're going to see any defensive ends necessarily on the practice squad, just because I, I have them still carrying seven. So it's just so interesting, all the decisions and all the thoughts that have to go into this process and how on a day by day basis, like you mentioned, Matt, it can change.
1: What else you want to get into here, Ryan? I'm trying to think um, going back over the um, Isaiah Hodgins was back out of practice today. He was doing some stuff early on in the day. Uh, he didn't participate in team, so he's still dealing with that knee injury. I don't really know what his status is. He wasn't. Um, I gotta actually look. Was he on the injury report? He wasn't. So he, he doesn't appear on the injury report, which is a good sign. Um, you got Harrison Phillips not at practice still. Uh, I think that is a good sign for Vernon Butler probably making the roster and probably Justin Zimmer as well. Um, and that's another thing. Okay, if Harrison Phillips is out. And you got to bring potentially, if he, if he's going to be back this season, and you want him on the roster. You may have to roster five defensive tackles because you can't chance losing Zimmer. Just from the perspective of you spent all that he spent all this time in this defense. How difficult would it be to get to the other side of fit, the fifty three man, not be able to to retain Zimmer in some way, whether it be on the practice squad or bringing him back on the active? He goes somewhere else, and now you got to figure out another player like listen i i think brandon bryant's done a few nice things that i've noticed during training camp he's not ready for to be part of the rotation
0: no i agree with that i think bryant had, had uh one and a half sacks in that last preseason game but there, there still needs to be a little bit more in terms of the development so you know he's not ready to be part of that rotation you're right again that comes down to last year there were two players that the bills had the handshake deal with to say listen we're going to cut you now We're going to bring you back the next day. We'll, you know, we'll rework the contract a little bit Uh, in doing so. They they might have to do that with four or five players, man, just because of the uncertainty with some of these injuries and and the fact that, okay, we might have to put this many players on the IR and this many on this list. Because remember this year with the IR, they can come off at a certain time. It's unlimited in terms of how many can come off of it as well. Uh, So there's some... not loopholes, but there's some ways to work around that this year. So it's just going to be really, really interesting at the end of the day, in in terms of our next topic. And if you have anything else that you wanted to add to what we were just talking about, that's fine. But FA Obata, we were just talking about Mm. uh, the defensive ends, how I was saying I still have the keeping seven Obata had another sack today. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, it was just one of those, you know, he, he wins so easily at times and I think you got to put in perspective who he's going up against. And this is kind of more of an illustration. I, I know that there was people pretty high on Jameel Douglas after that first preseason game. He's really had a lot of L's in, in training camp. And today was one of them. I mean, man, was he just... It was explosive. The get-off at the line of scrimmage, I think, put um, Jameel Douglas in immediate stress situation. Like, what am I going to do? The size of Feo Obata when he gets on you first... Makes you have to make decisions, like, okay, how am I going to pivot here? Because you're usually out of position. You're gonna to have to pivot to some to some place to try to have an answer for what he's doing. And usually, he uses his hands so well that he's past you and he's by you and and he and he's getting you off of your mark with his power. It was that, and before you knew it, he's in the backfield and kind of blowing up the play, getting the sack. Um, just another big time play for Effi Obata, who I think really, how do you Risk not having him in the mix. You talk about all these guys. We've said it about AJ Epinesa last year when they drafted him. Rousseau and Blasham when they dra- when they drafted these two guys. I don't think anybody does the defensive end to defensive tackle transition quite as good as F.A. Obata. I think he's, he's really an important piece of what they've built now, and he has to be on the roster.
0: Yeah, and with everything that we were just talking about with the defensive tackle and the, the fact that he can kick inside and contribute in that role, that adds to his, his, not just his versatility, but his value to this team and to this roster. So F.A. Bada can do a lot for this team. Uh, e- even if he's the odd man out on a certain week in terms of him being inactive, that's okay too because you're one injury away from needing him to be called up and to be suited up and play valuable reps behind Uh, These other defensive ends, mostly, you know, the the veterans and Hughes and Addison, then that younger trio. He's so valuable in terms of all he can do. Like you said, he has this really good mix of using his hands and using his strength, and that can be valuable from the inside or outside. So that's why he brings so much to this team and why he's going to be such a tough player to cut and why I don't think they're going to be able to cut him come Tuesday.
1: So many uh, great conversations going uh, on in the, the side chat. Listen, we're going to do our best to, to to navigate. I know that there's COVID fatigue, man. I know there's vaccination fatigue. I saw a comment and they're like, let's not turn this into a vaccination discussion. There's enough of that going around. We're, we're going to do our best. Like we said yesterday, sometimes it's just going to be a part of the bill's picture that we have to cover and we have to talk about. We don't have to turn it into that. It's just going to, it's going to come up from time to time and, you know, we'll do our best to to keep it on football as much as possible because, listen, at the end of the day, I, I do truly believe that that's what we're there for. When it affects football, we're going to talk about it. Uh But trust me, when we cannot talk about it, Ryan and I have talked about this off the air, we don't want to talk about it as, as much as you probably don't want to hear about it. Let's stay positive and let's look towards 2021 and I think – Probably embrace and what I think the Bills are doing, even with the low VAX numbers, that I think you're probably looking at once they get past this 53-man r- roster breakdown, that that percentage is probably going to dip considerably. We'll we'll find out if that's the case from Sean or Brandon probably at some point. But it seems like they're all on board with let's listen, let's put our head down, let's get through this, let's deal with the rules and do our best to navigate it, and and that's where it's going to be, and. You know, we'll cross the bridge when we get there, if it, if it impacts a game or, at worst, like the season. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of positive things to talk about and take away from practice today. Looking ahead, even with all the injuries to that opener against the Pittsburgh Steelers, man, it is going to be dialed up at Highmark Stadium in a couple weeks, Ryan. Man, dude, like I, I watched – Um, I don't watch wrestling, pro wrestling. I, I watched it when I was – um, a kid, uh, The Rock, Stone Cold. That was kind of my era. I watched some tapes of Hulk Hogan's, you know, Sergeant Slaughter, like, you know, but I was not into it like I was for that short period of time when The Rock was at the height of his popularity and he was feuding with Stone Cold. Uh, occasionally, a guy will come along that will will, will you know, perked my interest and CM Punk was one of those guys. I would check him out from time to time. I met him when he tried the UFC, uh, actually hung out with him in Chicago one time. Cool story about him. And I won't get into the details of it, but just a really cool everyday kind of guy, like away from it all. Like when you meet guys of that kind of superstardom they they usually wear it a little bit and he just never did. And I always just respected it him for it so i i peeped his uh his debut in aew the other night i watched the promo and his entrance you could see the shake of the building from the video like it was unreal and those big time moments in wrestling like those were so cool back when the rock and stone cold and triple h the height of their popularity i feel like that's going to be what we see at the ralph on september 13th
0: I think that's a, a fair and astute observation, and I love the wrestling references. I was obsessed with it as a kid. My son's obsessed with it now, so we're I'm still putting in quite a few hours watching wrestling with him. So great, you know comparison. that, that stadium is going to be rocking in week one. It's gonna be rocking when they take on Washington a few weeks after that. And then Houston the week after that is this Super Bowl window, like Bruce Smith said, it's open for the next four to five years and possibly longer than that. But this is the first year where they really need to attack that. And let's just hope there's no outside distractions or problems that arise because this team is very special in terms of talent on both sides of the ball, and they really could go far this year.
1: Spend more time enjoying everything that summer has to offer, and less time worrying about getting to the store with Tops pickup and delivery. Shop your favorite groceries online. Choose pickup or delivery. Tops will bring the groceries right to you. Visit TopsMarkets.com to get started. And for all of you asking, what is the burger bar? I might have to shoot a little video next time at my local Tops and show you guys all of the different options they got. They got like, um, you know, seasonings, different types of rolls, different types of toppings, condiments. Uh, you get over to the meat section. They got, I'm a big Minio and Sapio, uh, sausage guy. Uh, they have them at tops and I would highly suggest it. If you like doing the peppers and onions at home, get, get to the burger bar, pick up a couple of sausages, grill before, you know, we start to turn to fall. I mean, I still grill. You grill in the fall, Ryan?
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. A little bit in the fall. Uh, once the snow hits, I, I'm not out there, but Fall, definitely. That's still good grilling weather.
1: Yeah, I'll, grow, I'll 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 probably grill until it's snowing. And usually I even try to grill a little bit after that, depending on how quick it hits. Um, but yeah, I got to do a video of the Burger bars just so people know that it is actually a thing. Hit that like button. Smash it right now before you get out of here. I'm so excited to see how many we've had in the live show. We usually get up to upwards of about 500 by the end of each video. You guys are so awesome. We appreciate you, Bill's Mafia. We'll be back. Probably tomorrow. I think it's going to be a walkthrough at the stadium. If that's the case and I don't do observations, we won't be back before the um, Saturday game. But you better believe it. Saturday, sometime after the game, we will be live to break it all down, the final preseason game. We'll have a 53-man roster projection show next week. A special guest on the Wednesday show. Stay tuned, Bills Mafia. We're bringing it uh, as we move up to the opener. Have a good night, everyone.